0: Couldn't we all use a night of perfect sleep? What should come naturally to us actually is a novelty for many of us. Getting ready for a great night's rest actually takes some work. How do we create it? We'll tell you today. Better sleep, tackle insomnia and promote health. Today on An Organic Conversation. Your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg,
1: And I'm Sitarani Balamar.
0: Insomnia, or at least a constant lack of appropriate rest, has become the norm for many of us. We go to bed tired, but can't sink into a deep, rejuvenating place from which we awake happily and full of energy. What's going wrong? We're with an expert today who will hopefully put us to sleep. Well... After the show, that is. (laughs) That's our focus here today on an organic conversation. But let's start off with a comment that we've got from one of our beloved listeners.
1: Yes, lucky (laughs) us. We get the most beautiful listener letters. And this one comes from Lovisa, who lives in Sweden. And she wrote us to say how much she appreciates the show. She actually started listening in a year that she lived in Montreal, which is how she discovered us, um, I think, on a radio station over there in Montreal and continues to listen now, even though she's moved back to Sweden, has been there for many years because she can get it as a podcast and so she wrote us um, one of the things she said in her email is that even though some of the topics that we talk about are controversial quote unquote she says um, the conversations never impose guilt on the listener you always stay open toward both the guest and me as a listener and that was really touching for us because we want to make sure that we're covering as wide a spectrum of things that affect our lives and our health and our sustainability as possible and she has a suggestion which I think is a very good one and it is a controversial one. She was at a conference called MOT 2015. I guess MOT is the Swedish word for food. Helga, is that right? Am I saying it right? Sure. MOT, MOT 2015. <laughs> anyway, so one of the keynote speakers was talking about antibiotics and the concern with the rampant use of antibiotics in our healthcare system and also in our food system. She was saying over in Sweden, this is what she learned from this conference she went to, that 14% of the antibiotics are given to animals, but only those who are sick. And 86% are given to humans, not just the sick ones, but also people who are trying to prevent infection. But in the US, 70% of the antibiotics are given to healthy animals preventatively. 6% are given to the sick ones, and 9% are given to sick humans. And just went on and on to talk about the other things that she learned in terms of what's happening as a result of this use of antibiotics and encouraged us to cover this in an episode. And I absolutely think we should.
0: Yeah, and how timely. The state of California, just like three weeks ago, approved and Governor Jerry Brown signed it into law SB27. And it actually will curb exactly that. It will curb the overuse of antibiotics in livestock in California. 70%, maybe even 75%, are given prophylactically to animals because the confinement of animals is so extreme that they would get sick if not. Mm -hmm. And also to promote growth, which antibiotics do. So this has created an antibiotic resistance and some superbugs. And it's actually interesting. Governor Brown was quoted saying the science is clear that the overuse of antibiotics in livestock has contributed to the spread of antibiotic resistance. So antibiotics are critical for us to save lives or for animals to save lives. But of course, if you do it prophylactically on that amount, 75% of all antibiotics just used as a tool, not really to cure or heal the animal or anything, any disease that is really setting us up for antibiotic resistance, than antibiotics that don't work on us anymore in the hospitals. And we've seen that all throughout the last almost two decades at this point. So it's a big enough problem to now this bill is in place in California as the first leading state, a big agricultural state, of course. Hopefully setting the tone and whatever that means for the livestock confinement or the methods how we hold livestock will kind of need to follow suit, which is wonderful. There's a positive ripple effect on, well, then we need to look at our management practices. So, I think yeah, it'll be a good should. episode. Absolutely. So,
1: Lavisa, thank you f- so much for suggesting this and also just thinking for just thank you for writing us and telling us that you appreciate the show. We really we do this because we get such wonderful feedback from our listeners. It's a real it's a real gift to us. So, thank you for listening to our conversation. Yeah, hey Dora.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and we love to hear from you if you have comments or questions, please send those to us either through contact at organicmedianetwork.com or always Facebook. We read all your comments and questions and inquiries there. That's facebook.com forward slash conversation. And our topic in this hour is better sleep, tackle insomnia, and promote health. But first, as always, here is our tip from the world of health and beauty Sita Palomar and her holistic bite.
1: Well, on the topic of calming down and getting into a good state of mind, whether it's to get some sleep or just get some clarity, I want to share my tip for a moment of calm. And This is something that actually has really good science behind it. I had the great fortune of meeting Amy Galper, who is the founder of the New York Institute for Aromatherapy. And in our conversation, she taught me that part of the reason aromatherapy is so effective is because it takes fewer neural connections for us to absorb the effects of something that we inhale. And so for me... Scent is a very powerful way to calm myself down, and a lot of people use lavender oil. What I love is eucalyptus oil. This is my favorite because it reminds me of this spa that I love. They have a eucalyptus sauna, and whenever I smell eucalyptus, I feel like I'm back into this very peaceful, relaxed state. My whole body really releases the tension, and that is what aromatherapy is actually doing. There's a great article that I wrote on Aromatherapy. You can find it on Mind Body Green. And And one of the things that I do in order to bring this into my life is I carry a bottle of eucalyptus oil in my handbag. That way, if I'm on the bus and it's loud or I'm running late or I'm stressed or overwhelmed or I get home and I just need a gateway to help me begin my relaxation after a long day, I open up this bottle of eucalyptus oil, I breathe deeply, and my shoulders and my chest just drop and I feel much more expansive and I feel more present so I recommend to you whether you do this before you go to bed or you do this throughout your busy day find a scent something that may be connected to a memory for you that um, helps to bring you into a more peaceful relaxed place and uh, let us know what that thing is for you.
0: Thank you, Sita. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Apropos, I, I wonder, I'm still on the fence if we should make this show so slow and lovely that people actually fall asleep listening to it. It would be mm-hmm. nice to actually make it a kind of a lullaby. That is our topic, however this will turn out. Better sleep, tackle insomnia, and promote health. That and more when we come back right after the break, and Sita is handing around what is this? This is eucalyptus. the eucalyptus oil. Okay, <laughs> we might come back, we might not.
2: <laughs> Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit EarlsOrganic.com.
3: Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines, without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E ecom
0: And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm
1: Sitarani Palomar. Right awake I am.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Our topic in this hour is better sleep, tackle insomnia, and promote health. And we are so excited to be speaking with a sleep expert who will tell us what the different stages of sleep really are and how we get to the one we really want. With us now is Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist out of Atlanta, Georgia, and really keen on our sleep patterns and what insomnia is all about. Tracy Marks, Dr. Marks, are you with us?
3: I am here. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Welcome to the show.
0: (laughs) Great to have you. Thanks for making the time.
1: So let's start with the most obvious question, which is how much sleep do we actually need? Or is this an entirely individual question?
3: It is not entirely individual. There's some variability, obviously, because everyone's body is different. But it's been determined that the average amount of sleep that people need, about five years ago, it was seven to nine hours. More lately, some studies are showing that closer to eight, eight or nine is what people really need. That's only one hour difference. But you get the general gist, mm-hmm. and that's for adults.
0: Because for children, it might be much higher. Is that, is that right?
3: Absolutely. Like school-age children, around 10 hours. And that's not easy to do, you know, with homework and activities after school and things like that. So, yes, as children are younger, they need more sleep, and we tend to kind of settle out between 7 and 9 as we get older.
0: So when you say 8 to 9 hours as a starting point for this conversation, does that mean actually the time you are asleep or the time you spend in bed and go to sleep?
3: Oh, that's a great question. That is the amount of time you are at out like a light, you're unconscious.
0: Mm.
3: <laughs> because and I say that's an interesting question because when they do studies to measure effectiveness of sleeping medications and things like that, one of the ways they measure is total time in bed as a denominator and on top would be the time that you are actually sleeping. And then they they come up with this fraction. It's this whole equation. But many people will spend Ten hours in bed and only sleep six, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: or or they take two hours to actually fall asleep, which doesn't count, obviously, now as sleep time. So if you go to bed at 11 and get up at 7 and you spend two hours falling asleep, you only got, you know, five, six hours of sleep. That's right. Before we dive into that further, I want to paddle back, so to say, and you as a psychiatrist, why is this topic of of sleep and insomnia so important to you that that is be, has become one of your expertises
3: because it's it's one of those fundamental body processes that's required to live just like eating food and when i see people i will often see many people who they've shaved off sleep sleep ends up being one of those expendable things unfortunately we don't see it as as need as important as it really is and when you have someone who is chronically sleep deprived, so they're getting even, let's say, two hours less than they should every night, cumulatively, it starts to affect your thinking. Mm-hmm. You're not as sharp. People get depressed. They can get very irritable and snappy. So it really, as a psychiatrist, what I see is the mental and emotional effects of not sleeping enough that's yeah.
0: so fascinating because really I, I would say at an eight or nine hour deep restful sleep goal from you know my environment the people I know m- me personally, my friend's family. There's no one who comes even close to that. Well, that's Ma- basically maybe,
1: the perfect segue for the next question, which is talking about us as a society.
0: Yeah, really. If you, if we look at, I mean, you and your practice and in, in our personal experiences, nine hours of restful sleep every night is unheard of in a way. I mean, I don't know anyone who, who reaches that, who makes time for that, who has nine hours of restful sleep every night. So, in a way, are we a, a completely Sleep-deprived society?
3: When you look at statistics about people who are uh, sleep-deprived and whatnot, kind of a standard number that's thrown around is about a third of the people suffer from insomnia. That's, that's millions of people, considering mm. how many people there are. But even the people who don't identify themselves as having a sleeping problem, you've got a whole lot of people who sleep six, five hours and say, I'm getting by and don't feel like they really have a sleeping problem. And I think it's because we promote working very hard, getting the work done, just sleep less to take care of whatever you need to take care of. What I end up seeing on my end is people who, and this is a whole other topic, but who, who will come in and they aren't, it's not working the way they want. Maybe they can't, they can't concentrate. So they'll say they need help f- focusing. So they'll want to take Adderall and then you end up in this pattern of just doing whatever it takes to push yourself further than your body really wants to go. And so I think people can manage for a number of years just kind of sleeping less than they need to sleep, but getting by somehow, whether it's because of pills uh, or, 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 or they, just, they just have the reserves because of their age to be able to somehow manage.
1: Well, I think that something that I heard in what you were saying that I found really interesting is the number of people who believe they're getting by with five or six hours. And you said, as an example, that's two or even three or more hours below what is the optimal number of hours you should be getting. But people, I know a lot of people who do, they get six hours solid every night and they feel like they're getting really good sleep. Part of it might be that people don't even know what a healthy sleep cycle is supposed to look like
3: right or how they're supposed to feel with a healthy sleep cycle because you're not going to know unless you're able to compare. Right. So if you've gone most if you've gone years sleeping 5 or 6 hours, you don't you're not going to know how much differently you perform with 7 or 8 hours of sleep. You're not going to know until you test it. Well, what does a healthy sleep cycle look like? We need a certain amount of deep restful sleep. So there's basically three main sleep stages. There's stages one and two, which are lighter phases of sleep. Actually, there's four phases, one and two, which are lighter phases of sleep. Then we go into, we kind of descend into this deeper stage of sleep, which is now called stage three. It used to be called three and four. And it's during this deep phase of sleep that we get memory consolidation and things. So we kind of, it's like we take all of the the data that we had that we absorb during the day and put it all together to be able to use it for the next day. And then we also have the fourth stage would be rapid eye movement sleep, and that's when we dream. So a normal sleep cycle would be to go through all of those phases a few times during the night. And then as the night progresses, you, you spend less time in deep sleep, and it keeps getting lighter and lighter until you finally wake up.
1: And optimally waking up without an alarm, I suppose. (laughs) Waking up because you're rested.
3: That's right.
0: When you talk about a society that is basically at large, at least sleep-deprived, doesn't sleep affect happiness? Just what came to mind was the staggering increase of antidepressants in this country, even in childhood age at this point. Would you say there could be a linkage between the lack of sleep at large, and our mental state and mental happiness?
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we know that there's a connection between chronic sleep deprivation and depression. So not everyone dep- not everyone who's depressed is because they're not sleeping well, but it can be the other way around that not sleeping well consistently can lead to depression. And when I keep emphasizing chronic or, or consistent, because we're not talking about a bad night here and there. We're talking about more nights than not during the week of not sleeping well, either because you have broken sleep or you don't sleep enough hours, and then more weeks than not during the month. So essentially, the majority of the time, you don't sleep well.
0: And when we, you know, how often do we hear people say, I don't dream? Since that is part of the four parts of of deep, restful sleep, could that also be an indicator, if I hear this correctly, that if you don't get enough sleep or you don't go th- often enough through the cycles that you actually never hit RAM, that you never hit rapid eye movement, and with that you actually never dream? That's why you don't remember, because you actually don't dream? Because I always say, well, well, everyone dreams every night, but that might not be true.
3: You're right, and I used to say that too. That's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> someone would say, well, I don't dream. I'm like, yeah, you do. You just don't remember. Mm-hmm. But there are people who have serious disorders and they get a sleep study and it shows that they have very little REM not zero but very little so yeah but that's not the typical most times if you feel like I didn't have a dream last night you probably did you just didn't remember. remember it hmm. yeah yeah
1: this is just the tip of the iceberg. We have so many more questions that we want to ask you. And they're the questions that are always on people's mind when they come to this topic, like can I make up for lost sleep? And how do I how, what might be causing my poor sleep, et cetera, et cetera. And how
0: can we create perfect sleep? And all that is still coming, coming up. up. You're <laughs> listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helber. And I'm Sitarani Palmer. And we are speaking, of course, with Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist who's joining us today from Atlanta, Georgia, really an expert on sleeping. Good sleep and not so good sleep and the reasons for that and the reasons for both. And that's our topic in this hour. Better sleep, tackle insomnia and promote health. We are excited to be speaking with her and more questions are coming up in just a minute right after the break. Stay tuned.
3: Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on Holistic Nutrition and Culinary Arts at BowmanCollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N
2: College.org.
3: Produce is ever-changing,
1: seasons coming and going. At Earls Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earls Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com.
0: And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar.
0: Our topic in this hour is better sleep, tackle insomnia, and promote health. With an expert on this topic who is guiding us through all the different stages of sleep, Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist joining us from Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Marks, you have a podcast. I just want to give you a big shout-out. That's MarksPsychiatry.com, your website, and your podcast is Beyond Burnout. What do you cover in in that podcast?
3: Oh, thanks for the shout-out. I cover a lot of different topics, actually. So the main focus of it is helping working moms, though it can help other people, but kind of manage all the things that they need to do and feel better about doing it with better health, better sleep, better mentality, everything, because you can't just not work. You can't just not be busy. So how do you manage all that? So I talk about diet and clean eating. I talk about my latest obsession is essential oils. Um, I talk about organic stuff. I talk about lots of things, kind of natural whole body issues. And of course, sleep,
0: I'm sure, too. (laughs) And sleep too,
3: right? (laughs) I try not to uh, put too much of that on people, but yeah, I I talk about (laughs) sleep as well. It's hard for me not to.
1: (laughs) Well, it's critical. I mean, getting good sleep is as critical as getting good food. So one thing I want to ask you before we start talking about some of the common causes for poor sleep is this idea of can you make up for lost sleep? I've heard some people say, yes, just get an extra naps and eventually you'll recover some hours. I've heard other people say, it's not possible. You will never make up for lost sleep. Can you answer that question for us and then also just cover a little bit about the role naps can play in this whole cycle?
3: Sure. So the short answer is you can't really make up for lost sleep. What I mean by that is you can Catch up a little with regards to say refreshing yourself so that you can think better, you feel sharper. But let's just say you are sleeping five hours a night, and your body is really set to sleep uh, seven hours a night. Well, in a five-hour week, you've lost two hours five nights for five nights. That's ten hours of lost sleep. That's your sleep deficit. So Friday night, in order for you to catch up, you've got to sleep seven. Plus 10, that's 17 hours. That's just not possible unless you're using mm. anesthesia or sure. something. So, over the course of a weekend, you may sleep an extra two or three or four hours, but you're still not really catching up from the full 10 that you missed out on. So, you're not really able to fully catch up, but if, say, you changed your lifestyle, let's say you changed jobs, and now you were sleeping. Seven hours a night. After a while, your body would kind of normalize and forget about the fact that over the past ten years you've lost a hundred hours of sleep. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like it's not like you will never. You'll always have to repay that debt.
0: Well, what are the most common causes of poor sleep? Of course, the stress comes to mind. I'm not sure if that's number one. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I, I shared that with my team when we prepared for the show. I spent three days in Denmark in a little cabin completely quiet in a room that was completely dark or I could make completely dark with really poor weather outside. And I I slept three or four nights, 14 hours each night. And, And then I was done. It really felt like my body had completely recouped what was missing, at least for that time in my life. Yeah, I would love to recreate that, but I'm looking at, you know, life and, and work <laughs> and all the factors. So what are the most common causes, really, of poor sleep in, in everyone's life on, on average?
3: Okay, sure. And I just realized I didn't answer part two of the question about naps. And, and the key here is power naps. You've probably heard that term. So a power nap would be 20 minutes or under versus say a one to two hour nap. A one to two hour nap, the problem with that is twofold. One, it could end up making you wake up during a, a phase of deep sleep. You could wake up at the wrong time, so to speak, and then you feel worse. And you may have experienced that. You wake up mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm I'm more tired than when I fell asleep. And that's probably because you're waking up during a very deep phase of sleep and now you're too tired. Sure. So, Studies have shown that shorter naps, like 20 minutes, can be just enough to refresh you and give you a boost in mental productivity. The other key to the nap is not having it be too late in the evening such that it shortens your what we call the sleep drive. You build up a drive to sleep as you're awake all day long, and then it reaches this peak, and then in the evening, you're ready to fall off to sleep. Sure. Well, you can decrease that sleep drive by, like, taking a two-hour nap at 8 o'clock in the evening, and then you're going to have a hard time falling asleep. So yeah. that's the, the deal with naps.
0: So really offsetting your cycle. When we come to the daily, you know, like, is it caffeine? Is it stress? What, what have you seen, if you can just name, you know, the two, three, four main factors that you see in everyone's life that will not create good sleep?
3: So a couple of big ones are having Too many things on your plate uh, having too heavy of an agenda so you go to work you come home and you see coming home as a break like a short break from work as opposed to I'm done for the evening so you eat maybe take care of the kids whatever and then pick back up again with emails and other work say starting 8 o'clock so now you've got this evening shift of work it's hard to settle down and slow down and fall asleep a few hours uh, or after you've done that for a few hours Another big thing is that I think is part of modern life is technology and electronics. They're lying in bed with a phone, an iPad, or a tablet, those tablets emit a, a blue light that can interfere with your sleep. Blue light is similar to sunlight, and sunlight is a big trigger, a huge trigger for melatonin production, which is a hormone that regulates our sleep. So I still use my iPad, but I use blue light blocking glasses, and they're just these glasses that have a, a, an orange lens to them, and it blocks the blue light, and I'll just fall right off to sleep looking at my iPad. Wow. Wow, that's good to know. I didn't know. even know that existed.
1: <clears throat>
0: and yeah, we, we gave that tip a few months back that really being on your screen and then close it and then go to bed might not work because your body thinks it's daylight so much harder yeah. to to fall asleep when you talk about food in your podcast how much does caffeine i feel like if i have a coffee much past noon i will feel that at night which might be you know a very sensitive reaction to it but i almost can't do caffeine maybe accumulatively to my entire other lifestyle of you know being busy and being on screens much of the day unfortunately but w- what's your dietary sense of of caffeine and other foods.
3: Yeah. So I'm like you, I can't drink it afternoon or I will have trouble. And that's my general recommendation to people is to not have caffeine afternoon. If you are trying to go to bed, like 10, 11 o'clock-ish, people vary in how they metabolize caffeine. So you can have people who say, oh, I can drink coffee at five o'clock and I'm fine. That person may be someone who rapidly metabolizes the caffeine so that it doesn't last as long in, sure. in their body. But there are certain conditions like pregnancy extends the half-life of caffeine. So a pregnant woman may not even want to drink caffeine or, or consume caffeine after 10 or 11 in the morning. So you kind of have to get to know your own body, but I think a safe bet is to eliminate any caffeine intake, particularly things like coffee or sodas, as opposed to say one piece of chocolate after noon, just because you don't know, you, you can't always know how long it will take your body to process it and get it out of your system.
0: We're speaking with Dr. Tracy Marks, psychiatrist in Atlanta, Georgia, and really a sleep expert and personal holistic health expert in her podcast Beyond Burnout. Her website is markspsychiatry.com. Let's shift focus from what's not working to what's working. Yes. Dr.
1: Dr. Marks, I think that in order for us to kind of get over the hurdle of all of these years of poor sleeping habits, we need to get some good routine in place that will help us move towards that more optimal going to bed cycle, sleeping seven to nine hours or eight, eight to nine hours is the more recent studies are saying. And so you've given some good tips about not drinking caffeine afternoon, about not looking at your, your devices for a couple hours before you go to bed, unless you have that blue light canceling glass you can wear. What are some other things that help to promote sleep? I know you said that you focus a lot on essential oils.
3: Yes, I love essential oils. That's my new love. (laughs) Well, before the oil, what I what where I tell people to start, and it it, this may seem very obvious, but is to start by even setting a bedtime in the first place. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times I'll ask someone, (laughs) "Okay, so what time do you go to bed?" Well, it depends. It should not (laughs) not depend at all. There should be a time. (laughs) So, because then otherwise, when you get this variance of a few hours here and there as far as this wide swings of when you go to bed it gets your circadian rhythm off cycle and you can you can get this wacky body clock that then makes it hard for you to go to sleep because you don't have any specific pattern
0: I love and that. Our and body's
3: like a pattern.
0: Sure. And in that regard, I, I must ask because if I don't, this this would be an incomplete show for me. I have so many people who tell me that if you go to bed before ten, the time before ten counts double. Is that true or is that not true?
3: I've never heard that before. Oh, really? I've heard this one too. Yeah, from
0: 10 on, it counts as an hour. If you go to bed at 9, that 9 to 10, if you were really sleeping already, that counts basically as two hours of sleep because something happens before 10 o'clock for your circadian rhythm.
3: No, I don't think I don't know about that. because, um, (laughs) Yeah, we all have this body clock. But you know, you've got night owls. And you've you've got people who are morning people. And part of that variance is in your body clock. And when your body clock not only tells you or governs when you go to sleep when you wake up, but it governs when you're most alert and when you're most tired and when you have your lull. So we all have a natural afternoon lull. And some people it's one o'clock, some people it might be two or three in the afternoon. So that's why I'm not so sure about like there being this firm line in the sand of 10. And that's the time for everyone that makes this difference.
0: So for me, and I was a musician in my previous life, so going to bed late always felt totally normal and sleeping until, you know, eight or nine or 10 even. Doing, if I can, the next morning, there's nothing wrong with it as long as I stay with my eight to nine hours. Is that, is that what I'm hearing?
3: That's right. The only thing that makes that wrong is that if you have a job where you've got to be there at, at 8 a.m. Yeah, that feels
0: wrong. That's totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> <Good. Yeah. laughs> so we do want to cover, we have only a few minutes left, but it's such a great conversation. Thank you so much again for making the time for us today here on Anorganic Conversation. I'm Helge Helder. And
1: I'm Sitarani Palomar
0: And it's Better Sleep, Tackle Insomnia and Promote Health. So you talk about setting a time, there's scents, essential oils, oils, exactly, um, that one can use. What else has been proven to be really impactful for knowing now you want to be in bed by nine because you want to sleep at 9.30 or 9.45? There's some lavender spray going on, maybe. What else have you seen that really helps people get into a good sleep cycle?
3: Once you set your time, then yeah, as you mentioned, the the 30 minutes before, I say an hour before starts the wind down period. So you don't want to say, I want to be at bed at nine, asleep at nine. I'm going to be checking my bank account all the way up until nine to cut off the the um, my phone and then cut off the light. That's not going to work. So you need an hour to just prepare. And that first half an hour, you could be brushing your teeth and whatever you normally do for bed. And then the half an hour before bed would be the time that you do something relaxing. So it could be the lavender spray. Another one is ylang-ylang. That's another great um, relaxing oil to inhale or rub on your body with a carrier oil or read or listen to music, something relaxing to lull you into sleep. And then it should only take 20 minutes maximum, maybe 30 at the worst. To fall asleep and that's a normal amount of time to actually fall asleep beyond that it's considered initial insomnia we call it or trouble falling asleep as far as another natural solution if you wanted to take something for example not that I'm necessarily saying take pills but melatonin is I've seen a lot of people have good results with melatonin helping them feel tired to help them fall asleep You certainly don't want to exercise a couple of hours before bed, primarily because it might seem like, well, that'll get me nice and tired for sleep. But it's a body heat issue. So your body gets too warm and has to cool off. And if it's too hot, too close to bed, you're going to have trouble falling asleep. So you need to keep your room cool and not do anything that's going to get your body too hot too soon before bed.
0: Well, you basically... Out at me as the worst initiator <laughs> of good sleep, I work out you know basically at the gym right before, and then I take a hot bath for my muscles and then I go to bed it 's way too hot. It takes me two hours often to fall asleep, and then yeah. my sleep is mm-hmm. not great, so i 'm sure people can relate even this half an hour sounds wonderful i 've never slept with anyone next to me who wasn 't asleep within twenty minutes while I was you know trying to count sheep and by forty thousand sheep, <laughs> I gave up counting. <gasps> what, so you're saying that's early stage insomnia. When people get to that place, if somebody listens to this and says, it sounds wonderful, I have not ever re- experienced this, or it's been years to naturally, happily, deeply fall asleep, what's kind of a, a radical shift? Like what should people do or can people do to basically have the best night in a long time tonight?
3: There's lots of things to like check off on, like a, a, a kind of getting your car check when you take it to get your oil changed, <laughs> yes. checking off these things. So one check is like the exercise that I was talking about. So you need to move your exercise up if you can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but alcohol, people will have a nightcap of uh, some wine or something before, before to help them fall asleep. The problem with that is you, it will wake your body up a few hours later. So you may fall asleep nicely, but then wake up a few hours later because the, the wine has kind of gotten out of your system and now it's stimulating you. I recommend people don't drink anything minimum an hour before going to bed. Sometimes, I, I do too, because if I still drink something within an hour, I'm still going to have to go to the bathroom. So, and then go to the bathroom right before you get in the bed so that, you, your, so that your bladder doesn't wake you up. Mm-hmm. So there's all these like little things that it's not just this one, if you just do this, you will sleep soundly. It's really more of a checking all the points like you're checking your card and make sure you, you've kind of tuned up your sleep habits to then be able to promote good sleep for you.
1: When's the time that you want to seek some therapy or some professional help?
3: I would say that it would be if you're having more nights than not, sleeping well. So again, this isn't just that we've got a big launch coming up. I didn't sleep a couple nights before the launch. That's not, this isn't just an occasional thing. This is a lot of times you're having trouble sleeping and it is causing problems for you. You're either falling behind in your work or you are maybe not getting along in your relationship, yelling at your kids all the time, just don't feel well yourself, getting sick a lot, Things like that that are kind of crashing down around you or crumbling around you, maybe not dramatic as crashing, that you can kind of tie to the fact that you are not sleeping well and and these other things aren't well either.
0: Uh, Wonderful. That's a great note. And meanwhile, our mascot here in the office in the studio, uh, Timber, my 13-year-old black shepherd, Totally fell asleep. He dozed (laughs) off. So it's working. (laughs) Whatever you're recommending, all of that is working for him.
3: Listen to this show, listen to me talk, and then you'll fall asleep. That'll work. <laughs> well,
1: you've actually given us so many great tips, not just to diagnose where our sleep issues may be originating, but also what we can do to get ourselves into healthier habits and what we're shooting for. I mean, I think that that's really revolutionary to understand what is at stake if we don't get optimal sleep and what optimal sleep actually looks like.
0: Yeah. And if you if you put people asleep with this show, you've done your job better than anyone ever has. <laughs> (laughs) So that's the greatest compliment. Yes, that's right. (laughs) That is Dr. Tracy Marks, psychiatrist in Atlanta, Georgia. That's MarksPsychiatry.com. Her website and her podcast is Beyond Burnout. Check it out. Dr. Marks, thank you so much for being with us today. Lovely. And I thank really feel you. like we covered the entire spectrum of real tips and the, the concerns and the issues really about not getting enough sleep ongoingly, how how much of an issue that really is for us individually and as a society. And yeah, beautiful job. Thank you for joining us today.
3: You're so welcome. You guys take care. Thank you. You too. You too. Take care. Bye.
0: Yes. Better sleep, tackle insomnia and promote health, our topic in this episode really so much ground that we were able to cover with her. Food always sneaks into these topics, doesn't it? Food always sneaks into (laughs) this show. (laughs) Food food (laughs) sneaks into our lives because we all do eat several times a day. And what you eat and how you eat it and when you eat it. And why it's good for you. And will influence your sleep cycle, as we just learned in part. (laughs) And in that regard, here is the update from the produce doc. What is happening this week. Here's What's in Season. And what an honor it is. Of course, we are graced by the voice of the San Francisco Produce Market, Mr. Organic, Mr. Earl Herrick, who is not calling us from San Francisco or some farm somewhere in the world but who's actually with us in the studio. In this Hi, studio. Earl.
1: studio.
2: Yes,
0: here I am. It's, I've traveled
2: all the way here into the studio. Wonderful. <laughs> nice short trip.
1: It's great nice to, to hear you in HD.
0: Yes. <laughs> great, great to have you yeah. in person. And we are talking produce, and it's the holidays are still a few weeks away, but we are kind of, you know, I think we have a show next week just on fall produce. It's Holid- time to
1: start meal planning. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, Thanksgiving, four or five weeks, but... Before we do that next week as a full episode, where are we on the produce docks right now? What's happening? What's, mm-hmm. a, what's one item that kind of sticks out a little?
2: Well, you know, in, in, in California, we're, we're insulated from a lot of the w- different weather that, that happens all over the country. So it hasn't changed a whole lot, but we are starting to f- see that change. And, and the obvious one that we're going to focus on today is greens. We've just gone through a very hot summer, where greens take a beating. And with the with the uh, emerging of the cool nights now, the the greens I'm talking about collards and kales and chards, you know, they with that little cool evening it it crisps it up. It 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 allows the the these greens to get a a hit of sugar to them and and without that heat they they are a bit more tender so this is really a great time to enjoy them very similar to the conversation we had i think in spring and in probably april the two shoulders of the season uh, allow this product to benefit from the cooler transitional nights
0: and interestingly as you say it's it's kind of a year-round given the growing climate here in california at least a year-round crop but it's definitely associated with the cooler fall, winter. Like it is the classic winter vegetable, maybe in the absence of the other lettuces because the Mm -hmm. soft lettuces throughout the summer kind of dwarf those... Hardier greens. That's all that's left, though, in, in a way, right? The soft lettuces are done.
2: Yes, yeah, p- pretty much. Well, but also, the, this adds perfectly. I mean, you think of the cooler weather. You think of soups and, you, and putting oh, greens great. and soups, sure. and sautés. I mean, this is is perfect for that. And they really are sweet now. This is this is really and now that they're colorful because with the cool nights, it really brings out the red of the red chard and the and the red kales. They really come out mm-hmm. and the chlorophyll, of course.
0: Yeah. Which ones can you eat? Because it's it's a kind of an it's a known entity, and Sita, I know you had a great recipe for, like, wraps where you really just use the leaf instead of a corn tortilla for make it a low-calorie, much healthier version of that. But it's a little bit – I wouldn't know right off the bat which ones you can eat raw and which ones you can't, like red cabbage – I don't know if that's an, an item that falls mm-hmm. into that general category. And it can does. you that eat raw? Can you eat all of those raw or? Absol- a- absolutely.
2: You can. Now, some people are, are kind of amazed. I mean, uh, something that's been uh, very much popularized lately is, is the raw kale salad where they massage the kale to tenderize With a, little bit a bit of salt. Yeah, sure. And it's fantastic. So really all this can, it's just kind of, you want to check yourself and what you're used to. It's not going to be a tender butter, lettuce, or red leaf. It's going to be a little more crunchy, a sure. little heartier, but it, boy, and it really gives you uh, the real direct experience of how hardy they are and what you're really getting out of it.
1: And and therefore, dense in nutrients. For there you sure. go. I mean, the closest yep. of these dark leafy greens, the closest one to actually do a lettuce wrap in the like tender way that you would do a lettuce wrap with the soft lettuces early in the year would be chard. Because of oh. the three, that's the one that is the softest. It will be the most like a lettuce wrap. But if you <laughs> want to do kale or collard greens, then just like you do with the raw kale, kale salad you marinate it and so I like to do my Wraps with collard greens because they tend to be flatter and they have yeah. fewer. They're they're hardier even than kale is, so they tend they don't break as easily. So um, I just take the stem out and usually you can get these big, beautiful yeah. collard leaves. Super it's like the surfaces. size of a burrito. Yeah, it's the size really. of a plate. One one big yeah, collard exactly. leaf Yeah, exactly. And green. so what I do is I marinate that in a little bit of olive oil and tamari because the salt in the tamari helps to break down the fibers a bit and make it soft enough that after you've marinated a little bit you can lay it out on your cutting board add all of your fillings wrap it up and there you go it's a little bit messier because it's been marinated in olive oil and tamari and it gets all over your fingers but that's part of the experience and it's totally fun
0: sure there's something about it's almost like a bread substitute right we talked about a tortilla substitute but i just put like a mix of miso and almond butter together Mm -hmm. and used that as almost like a paste to put on the collard greens and then rolled them up and it became this kind of, you know, never done before, little uh, veggie roll almost. And the energy you get from them, I mean, you say hearty, but the way those feel in your body is amazing. Yeah. There's, it's really grounding. There's a lot of chlorophyll in it. There's, they're healthy. There are lots of minerals. Yeah. Somehow they fill you up in a really beautiful, much more profound way than sometimes a little summer lettuce, which is easy. I mean, we, we shouldn't eat that heavy in summer anyway, but this is all getting heavier. And, of course, you can cook with them. What's your favorite way of, of using them?
2: Well, I, I've really grown, grown quite fond of the, of the uh, kale salads. I mean, I, really wonderful stuff. I love uh, sauteing all that stuff with rice or quinoa. Uh, chop it up devein it and break it up i like the idea of breaking it up rather than uh, throwing a knife to it and uh, many times i'll just cook the rice put the chard or the kale on the bottom put the hot rice on top and it softens oh. it enough right there yeah, they don't need much right no not no not much at all and then you know a little bit of salt a little bit of lemon maybe mm-hmm. or just throw in with cashew butter uh, tahini you were saying Almond
0: butter, yeah. Yeah, nice. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. As Wonderful. for storage real quick, those, yeah. I mean, look for shiny, bright, you can yep. easily tell which ones are fresh or limpy or which one, you know. Yeah. Uh, but how, when you get them home, do you bathe them? Do you keep them in a glass of mm-hmm. water in the fridge for a week? Like, mm-hmm. what's the best way yeah. of storing Yeah, Yeah, I, I, I sometimes do
2: that, especially if they're not so long and leggy. I will uh, cut off a little bit of the stem to, so you can, uh, uh, the membrane is now accessible again. Sure. And I stick them in some water. The other way is- for a few
0: uh, minutes or all in the fridge the, forever? The whole, the, the whole
2: time I'm... Now, you want to watch out for replacement in the refrigerator because if there's a lot of air circulation, the other way to do it is stick it in water and also put the top in a, 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 a wet towel or or drape a, a plastic bag over it. The crisper is fine for that too. And uh, I like to uh, put a, a moist paper towel in, with the plast- in, in the plastic bag with it and it keeps it vibrant. And they stay... Yeah, I mean, you know, you want to eat, you want to eat greens within three, Two, three or four days. days. Yeah, exactly. But you can probably even keep them longer. Cause I start yeah,
1: collard holds up longer than yeah, yeah I tried that
0: with a soft lettuce bunch like red red romaine whatever it was and um, in water I kept it in water for two days and it totally lost it like yeah. it just got limpy yeah it's just a little too soft with hardier greens that's the way to go if you can uh, yeah There's and also
2: one. every every refrigerator is going to be a little different sure. you know just check it out but you make sure you
0: cut the bottom off Cool green leafy vegetables
2: mm-hmm.
0: A chef's delight. Wonderful. (laughs) Great time of year. Thank you, Earl. Thanks for coming in. And um, we look forward to next week's full episode on the bounty of the fall for the holidays. Thanks for coming back for that. Uh, My total enjoyment. It's always great to be here with you both.
1: Likewise. Good to have you. All right.
0: Thank you. Well, it's a a total healthy lifestyle show. Yeah, that's the way
1: I felt. This is a really nourishing episode. Like thinking about leafy greens and putting together fresh salads and the last of the arugula, uh, but also all of these tips about how to get better sleep. I mean.
0: And how it's all, of course, it's all interconnected, like not being on the screen two hours before some aromatherapy, which you are a great fan of, Well, too, and I, I actually,
1: and I suppose I kind of intended to do the aromatherapy holistic bite with this episode because it just fits thematically, even though I was talking about de-stressing. No, but you knew
0: intuitively. Had, oh, you know those <laughs> things. Anyway, my point
1: <laughs> is, I, I had said that aromatherapy is one of the fastest ways to reach your brain and have an effect, and that's because it only takes two synapses to get to the emotional center of the brain via aroma, whereas in other cases, it takes eight. So it actually is the most direct path to the emotional center of your brain and it will calm you down, which is why this idea of lavender or ylang-ylang, for me, I, I don't know why it's eucalyptus, it might be something different for you, but why using that at night as a gateway to get yourself to relax is effective. You know, one of the things that Dr. Marks had recommended is putting some of the oils on your body with a carrier oil. I actually have spoken with another aromatherapist who says sometimes because aromatherapy is so potent, it may wake you up, kind of the way she was saying alcohol will wake you up once it burns out of your system a couple hours later. So the tip that I use is I put a couple of drops of an essential oil on a tissue and then slide that tissue under my pillowcase. So that way I'm inhaling the aroma, and like we said, most direct pathway to the emotional center of your brain calms you down, but it doesn't wake you up in the middle of the night because it's not on your body and penetrating through your system.
0: Love that. And I'm I'm all about intention, so I was just thinking how can I make – Sleep, not the last thing of the day that just happens to to happen, as she said, but really setting a, a time and an intention and a clock and making, like getting excited about sleeping, yeah. which you shouldn't get too excited, obviously, but making it something special, something you look forward to, and maybe, you know, writing... Writing down a wish or an intention and putting that under your pillow, like however you can make it special, so that that's not just some, something that you must do, but that you look forward to. So yeah, I'm looking forward to trying <laughs> these things out <laughs> Me tonight. Me too. <laughs> Let's just wrap up the show. And go home to and sleep. Okay. <laughs> that's an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg and I'm Ronnie Palomar. Sleep well. We'll see you, see you soon.
1: soon. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate Producer, Kristen Ponger.
0: This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash an organic conversation thank you for your contribution
1: an organic conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters earl's organic produce a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store home or business since 1988 the website is earlsorganic.com
0: and also fry vineyards america's first certified organic winery producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot
1: Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on
0: holistic nutrition
1: and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is BowmanCollege.org. That's B A U M A N college.org.
0: If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com.
1: And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation.
0: We are your hosts, Helga Helberg.
1: And Citarani Palomar.
0: And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.